The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 47th and 16th in Seattle's U District. Uh, we come to the conclusion of our year and the conclusion of a mini-series that we've been doing through the Proverbs. And we've been trying to grasp a little bit more some of these generally accepted truths uh, that guide us in great decision-making as they point us to a deeper relationship with God. That's obviously why they're, why they're in the Bible. And we're going to explore a little bit tonight how, how what these Proverbs do, as we've been looking at uh, over the past two weeks with John and Kelly, both point us to the object of all wisdom, okay, that being God, and the giver of all wisdom, that's also God. There's this paradox that we're pointed to, the object and the giver of, of all wisdom. So uh, let's, we're going to try and finish up uh, with that tonight. My hope is that when we walk out of here uh, tonight, we will have a, a little bit better of idea on uh, what we might do with ourselves as we head towards, uh, towards the summer or towards graduation or whatever chapter of life you might be headed, uh, headed into. So as, as I get started, as we come to the word tonight, let me pray for us real quick here. God, by your spirit that is present uh, in us, that dwells in us, uh, we ask you that you would guide our steps as the Proverbs claim that you do and that you would guide us towards wisdom and, uh, Lord, guide us um, in, in, um, in knowing you more and knowing uh, the joy that comes uh, from knowing you more. So, uh, Lord, meet us in the place that we are tonight. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I don't know how many of you grew up going, uh, going to church, attending church in some form or fashion. I did. I grew up in a Lutheran church out on uh, the Olympic Peninsula, out in Port Angeles, Washington. And when I was in fourth grade, okay, in the fall, there was this, this presentation to all the fourth grade Sunday schoolers, and we got a good news Bible. Okay, and I've come to understand that this is a pretty common tradition um, in churches uh, throughout the country. Who else got a Bible in fourth grade presented to them? Okay, so pretty pretty common experience. Anybody get the Good News Bible presented? All right. Okay, Good News Bible. And the thing about the Good News Bible is that it is uh, it is a Bible that is if it's presented to you in fourth grade, presumably it's it's kind of written to connect with a fourth grade audience, right? Um, it's paraphrased. Well, there are illustrations also in the Good News Bible that I think are more designed to connect to a first grader. And I want to, so as we come to the Proverbs tonight, John and Kelly also kind of made fun of some of the Proverbs as well. And, and I, I'm not sure I want to make fun of the Proverbs as much as I want to make fun of some illustrations. So, let's, uh, here's a snapshot of some of the illustrations here in the Good News Bible uh, from Proverbs. We'll look at chapter 20. Okay, chapter 20 says this, um, drinking too much makes you loud and foolish. It's stupid to get drunk. Okay, that's the illustration that goes along with it. If you're wondering what Proverbs 20 is all about, there it goes for you. Okay, dudes, dudes struggling a little bit. Okay. Okay, this next one, this next one is great. The Lord has given us eyes to see with and ears to hear with. Okay. 
The writers of the Good News Bible have a massive grasp of the obvious, as you can tell from this illustration. Okay, uh, the next one is, uh, let's see, 20, 21, uh, Proverbs 21, 25 says this. Lazy people who refuse to work are only killing themselves. All they do is think about what they would like to have. The righteous, however, can give and give generously. Okay, I'm trying to figure out lazy people who refuse to work. Okay, that must be what that illustrates. Now, while I think this proverb is totally true, if I were to illustrate, I would not, I would not do that. Although that does look like Nolan going, oh, shut up, church. <laughs> but my, my illustration, my illustration would look a lot more uh, in terms of characterizing the, uh, what is it, lazy people who refuse to work. Uh, my illustration would, would look a lot more like three people that might be Voy, Nolan, and Becky sitting at their computers playing Sporkle all day. Okay, that's, that's what I think. And then one of my favorites is, uh, is Proverbs 21.9. And Proverbs 21.9 says this, Better to live on the roof than share a house with a nagging wife. Okay? <laughs> I, I love I love home slice on the side of the roof. It's just like, oh, I'm gonna hang out here on the corner of the roof. You got the nagging wife out there doing whatever. So that is that. Those are the illustrations that that you can uh, explore in the Good News Bible in in Proverbs. But there there are these. The Proverbs, as, as we've come to see, are, are a little bit obvious. Kelly confessed last week that when she first started getting ready for this talk, when she first got into it, she was like, come on, isn't this, isn't this kind of common sense? And to some degree, they are. But we have kind of our own little contemporary Proverbs as well. Some of the, the ones that we might know. Okay, follow along with me. Uh, you know these phrases. You snooze. Yeah. Good, good. Garbage in. Good. See, you guys know these. The early bird. Okay, and then the graceless statement that I hate, you don't have a second chance to make a first impression. Okay, you guys don't know that one? Well, the bro- it's brutally true. Um, but the reason that we have these cliches that, by and large, you know, is that to some degree, we've known them to be true. We know that there's a little bit of truth to garbage in, garbage out. So what we read in the Proverbs can be a bit cliche, but when we read them in Scripture, it does give us a bit of an encouragement to slow down and actually consider what some of these phrases and what and what these Proverbs are actually pointing us to. So for the next 15 minutes or so, I want to keep it a bit short tonight. I know that by and large, a lot of you are trying to take in a lot of information at this time of year, and I don't want to add... I don't want to add uh, too much to that. But let's slow down for the next 15 minutes or so and consider what we hear in these Proverbs. So we will take a little bit more of a serious tone. I've asked uh, Chad and Steve to not include illustrations on our text tonight. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to uh, Steve and Chad who have been doing projection for us all year. Uh, Again, student leaders that have stepped up and just make this happen. They don't get paid to do it, but they, uh, they have done an incredible job for us this year. And I am deeply grateful. So thank you, fellas. So uh, let's look at, at, uh, at Proverbs 2 okay, to, to encourage us 
uh, tonight. Okay, Proverbs 2 says this. My son, you could also translate that my child, okay? If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you. And understanding will guard your heart. I want to highlight uh, in, in this text what we might call some of the wisdom words. Okay, You heard them in what I just read. Wisdom, understanding, insight, knowledge. Okay, so that is the, those are, that's kind of the theme that we're working with. And so as we look at those words that are highlighted, I also draw your attention to some of the words that are around them. Turning your ear, turning your ear to wisdom. Do you realize that the psalmist in the same way when he says, uh, when we hear things like the Lord inclines his ear, it's the same word that's used there. The same idea that of what God does in prayer is what we're called to in pursuing wisdom. Turning your ear, applying your heart, call out, cry out, look, search. It looks like seeking wisdom appears to be something that we do, that we pursue, not merely pray for. Now, what am I getting at? What am I getting at? Here's the deal. I know that as I was a student here at the University of Washington, I often uh, prayed that I would get good grades on tests. I know that I would ask people to pray for me that I would get good grades on tests. And I know that in my job here now as a college pastor, I often get asked by people to pray for them to get good grades on tests. This has become a difficult thing for me to pray for. Not because I'm, I'm wishing ill will on people, but because I think um, that God um, wants, wants you to do more than get a good grade. On the test. In fact, I'm convinced that God really doesn't care what you get on the test. What God is looking for, for those of you that are students, is to pursue wisdom genuinely. Regardless of what grade you get. What if we were to say that all wisdom is God's wisdom? And that it's not about getting a grade, but that as we go and we have this opportunity to pursue wisdom at whatever great university or college that you find yourself at right now, what if we have this opportunity and actually learning, not grades, is the point. Acquiring wisdom that might be shared with others for the betterment of the, of the world that we live in. If, if I was to get a little bit more uh, uh, kind of Christian cliche, I would say for the building up of God's kingdom. What if we attained 
What if we were pursuing wisdom not just to get good grades, but to genuinely learn that we might make an impact, that it might be shared? Friends, when we're asking to find out what is the will of God for my life right now, for those of you that are students, what I am, what I pray for when you ask me to pray for, uh, for good grades is that you would be a great student. That you would do exactly what this proverb says and apply, uh, apply your heart. That you would search, that you would call out and you would cry out for not just a good grade, but that you might genuinely learn as you study for a test. See, what I'm getting at is that I think that one of the great encouragements of the text that that we just read is that these are not just achievement words. These aren't just an encouragement to arrive, but they're relational words. They involve God. God is the object of wisdom, of understanding, of insight, etc. Grades are not. God is the object. Paradoxically, God is both the object and the giver of anything that we call wisdom. Now, how can that be the case? How can we be on both sides of that coin? Because of this. Because relationship is a two-way street. And I believe that what we're being called to in pursuing this wisdom and knowledge and insight and understanding is actually relationship. That's what the Bible testifies to, including this book of Proverbs, that God is dying and, in fact, has died, that he might be in relationship with his people. That's what the Bible is all about. Now, like John and Kelly said over the past uh, couple weeks, or like them, I want to explore what uh, the Apostle Paul says from a prison cell to a group of believers called the church at uh, Philippi that we might gain more of an insight into, into what I'm getting at here about wisdom being a uh, relationship. Okay, here's, here's what Philippians 3, beginning at verse 7 says. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Whatever, the, whatever wisdom the Apostle Paul had, he counted, if you were to take the Greek here quite literally, when the Apostle Paul says rubbish, garbage, that's literally crap-ish, whatever you want to call it, okay? That the Greek word there is literally dung. So he can, considers it all crap compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. I think that we are scratching on some good news here in the midst of a little bit of confusion. That what we've just, the verses that precede what I just read was the Apostle Paul saying, let me, let, let me tell you something. My resume is better than yours and if we were to take a test on this whole thing, I would get all the right answers. I was, I'm a Pharisee to end all Pharisees. I've got the pedigree that you don't. I, 
I'm the man when it comes to getting an A on a test. I'll beat you. But you know what? It's not about getting an A on a test. The, the confusion is that the Proverbs gave us all this encouragement to pursue wisdom and insight. But Paul says, like I just said, it's not about having all the answers. I had all the answers and I call it crap. So what then do we do with this? The Proverbs say, get after this. Paul says it's not about the answers, but it's about knowing Christ. Bear with me here for a second. I, I'm one of these guys that can retain useless baseball statistics from decades ago. But when it comes to taking a test on things that matter, I, I struggle. I'm one of these guys that I have a photographic memory of golf holes that I've played. But when it comes to trying to recite something like the 23rd Psalm, or if I was to just try and bust out and recite the Lord's Prayer right now, it's, it's probable that I would stumble all over myself and I call myself a pastor. Okay? <laughs> you see, the good news is, is that the Apostle Paul is saying it's not about getting it all right. It's not about you getting an A in spirituality. It's about the pursuit it's about getting in the game, in this, this, this pursuit of knowledge and insight. That's what this is all about. We don't need all the answers. But we're still encouraged to know something. So what do we need to know? We need to know that these are relational words. That they move us into relationship. The, the Apostle Paul says here, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, I know that sometimes I'm overwhelmed by the fact that, that I am a pastor and sometimes knowing God seems so elusive. Yet I believe these are this, this whole pursuit of knowledge and understanding are very relational words. What am I getting at? Uh, this July, I will celebrate my seventh wedding anniversary. Here we go. I'm, hey, hey, my, my folks were not married for seven years, so it feels like kind of a big deal to me that, that, I'm, that I so far made it this far. And it's only by grace because my wife is, is incredible. She's very patient and gracious with me. Um, so much so that, do you realize that Julie's, her love language is, is that she's a gift giver. So I can... I can say something like, oh, man, you know, finish a run and say, man, my, my, my knee is kind of sore. And she'll remember that. And a week later, I won't have asked for it, but there'll be a new pair of running shoes where she will say, you know, I thought about the fact that, that um, it's been a while since you got a new pair of shoes. And I wonder if that's what was causing some of the pain in your knee when you would go for a run. Julie pays attention. She knows that I like to run. She knows I've been doing it. She hears stuff. And, and she, knows, she knows me well enough to say, this is an act of love towards Ryan. Now, unfortunately, I'm not nearly as astute as Julie is. As, as you may know, often people who are, um, express love one way, like Julie does with gift giving, like to receive it back the same way. Okay? So, one morning, we're catching an early flight. And, you know, one of these really early flights where you have to be up at four in the morning to get to the airport to check in two hours by six, you know. So we're a little bit groggy. And I go, I go to get some, some breakfast, uh, you know, McDonald's, of course. I love McDonald's. 
Okay, so I hook myself up with a sausage McMuffin, probably some hash browns. I get Julie something, come back, and 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 uh, I I got her whatever it is that she asked for. I don't remember what it was, but I do remember that when I got back, uh, she's like, "Did did you grab did you grab the water?" And I'm like, "Well, you didn't ask for water." And she looks at me and she says, "When have I ever not had water with a meal?" And I'm like, "Um." I mean, I don't know, but I'm confident that it's happened. Okay, that wasn't that wasn't the most satisfying answer uh, to Julie, because actually it, it was a it was a fat hairy lie, because I actually can't remember when she would she didn't have water. But what I'm trying to to, to prove here is that to know somebody is to be able to anticipate their needs, like Julie does. To know what makes them tick. It changes Julie's behavior when, if she has gotten to know me over the last seven plus years as we've been married and, and as we dated. You see, knowing and gaining in understanding are relational words. They're not just words that we attach to achievement in our classes. They are relationship words. So as, as we think about what we've heard over the past two weeks, we must think about wisdom and understanding and insight in the context of relationship. It's a two-way street. That, that all of this, this stuff that we're gaining in this way is only worthwhile in community if it's to be shared. It's not just knowing about somebody. It's not just merely me being able to answer all the right trivia questions about about my wife or about my coworkers. It's about knowing them and having it change my behavior and how I approach them each day. This wisdom that we gain in relationship, however, is not intended to lead us into certainty, but rather to lead us into relationship with a faithful God. Wisdom and understanding do not lead us to certainty. They lead us to greater faith. Talk to most honest seminary students. Okay, I'm chipping away at my seminary degree presently. Talk to most uh, honest seminary students. And if you were to ask them, what did you learn in seminary? What, was the, what did you learn about God? And most of them will say, honestly, um, the more that I learned about God the more I discovered I don't know. You're gaining knowledge, but you're also gaining this this insight into God is big. God is mysterious. God is large and in charge, and that's a good thing. But we don't somehow come to some mastery of God, nor do we come to some mastery even in our human relationships. It's about continually pursuing and engaging that relationship. The pursuit then becomes less about about uh, knowing about God and more to simply know God that is revealed in the flesh that is Jesus Christ. When we pursue this, we get to know our Lord more, much like we would in any relationship. When I know what makes my coworkers tick, it influences how I treat them. I respond to them in relationship. We do the same thing when we come to know Jesus, just that much more. When we're pursuing this love that scripture testifies to. When we know our Lord, when we pursue the one that is faithful, 
that deserves our faith, not our certainty, our faith, it changes us and moves us to love others unconditionally. This morning, uh, with the guys on staff, we read through 1 John, and the refrain throughout this rather short letter is that those who love God, those who, it says those who know God will love others. It gives us something to do out of that. It says, hey, if you know God, the, there's one response, love. It changes us. All of what I've said, I believe, has an influence on you in the upcoming week. It matters for the week ahead. We get so bogged down in trying to figure out what is the will of God when it's likely that the will of God for those of you that are students over this next week is to be great students. Not measured by getting a good grade, but rather by your ability to actually engage and learn and use that wisdom that you're gaining for good because it leads to an insight and discovery about the person, about that who created the whole world. Whether you're learning about science or whether you're, you're studying the humanities, you have the opportunity to learn this much more about a mystery of God. Seize the day to do that. It means that as you head out of here, out of this community for the summer, that you need to stop sinning. You need to stop doing some of the things that maybe even in some of these illustrations that we laugh at. If you continue to look at the Proverbs, they do have these pithy phrases about refraining from drunkenness or sleeping with the adulteress. Are we taking that seriously? Is the love of God changing us and transforming us? Do we, do we know and put our faith in this in such a way that it has an influence on us? And, and do we know God in such a way that, that we're growing in this love and as we grow in that love, it actually pinches out our ability to sin? It's kind of one of those things where, where if, if, as I stand up here and say, listen, everybody, let's, let's stop sinning. My guess is that a lot of people started thinking about their sin. And it, it's kind of like this. If I stand up here and start going, don't think about the space needle. Don't think about the space needle. Don't think about the space needle. What are you thinking about? Space needle. Okay. So what I'm going to ask you to think about is love. If you think about knowing God and pursue that, what's going to happen is you're going to be overwhelmed by the spirit of love that is actually going to remove some of the capacity that you have to sin. So it's less about this resolution to stop sinning and more, I would argue, this resolution to pursue knowledge and wisdom and insight of the living God. So how can we do that? A couple of quick things. This summer, this next chapter of your life, if you're graduating, do this. Okay, it's said like this. Pursue knowledge and wisdom in traditional ways. What am I talking about? Bible, I'm talking about reading the Bible in part. Okay, and I know that I, I tend to do this I've done it way more than I care to admit. But I'll get up in the morning and think, oh gosh, I should read the Bible. What should I read? All right, First Chronicles, money. Okay? <laughs> My encouragement to you this summer or in this next chapter is read the Proverbs. Did you know? Here's your little Bible factoid of the night. Did you know that the, that the Proverbs, it's believed, were written to be 
devotional literature, okay? That there are 31 chapters of Proverbs, a chapter for each day of the month. So if you find yourself going, I would read the Bible, Ryan, but I don't know what to read. My invitation is read a chapter in Proverbs of, of every day. Today's June 2nd. We read Proverbs 2 uh, tonight. Tomorrow morning or whenever. How about if you read Proverbs 3? How about on Thursday you read Proverbs 4? Okay. I would encourage you to not stop there, but read Proverbs in conjunction with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the beginning of the New Testament, because the knowledge that the, the Proverbs point us to is the knowledge of the living God that is revealed in Jesus Christ. So, so the first thing I'd, I'd have you do is pursue knowledge and wisdom in traditional ways. Learning by reading, by being in the scriptures. The second is this. Pursue knowledge and wisdom in non-traditional ways. Friends, you don't need a classroom to learn. And I probably don't need to say much more about that. I know that the majority of what I learned in college, I didn't learn in the classroom. And that's no diss on, on the, the, the instructors at the UW. I had a great experience there. But through... Uh, interactions with people outside of the classroom in my fraternity and places that I was able to serve. That taught me as much as anything I learned in class. Go out and love people. Use your life for good. Use the time that you have this summer to invest in others, to invest in relationship and learn about them. The great qualification that Paul says about Timothy earlier on in Philippians is that I send Timothy, the best guy I've got to you, because of his genuine interest in your well-being. Be genuinely interested in others. Get interested. Pursue knowledge and wisdom in non-traditional ways in relationship. Get out and do something that benefits others. Friends, pursue Knowledge. This pursuit is pursuing relationship with the living God. I'm convinced that all wisdom is God's wisdom. And as we do this, we have the opportunity to get to know him more. Have a great summer. Blessings to you uh, seniors that are going to be heading out. Please don't be a stranger. Come back and visit. Let me pray for us. Lord, you are so good. You are the giver of all wisdom. You are the object of it. We want to know you. And we pray that as we set sail, as we continue in this pursuit, that you would guide us by your spirit. Um, Help us to get glimpses of you. um, To know your great love for us that that has been proven uh, on the cross of Jesus. So Lord, be with us. Continue to be with us. We know that you will. You've promised it. That you will never leave us nor forsake us. Help us out as we go from here. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.